With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Thursday night, week two, game two, Buffalo Bills, first road game against the Miami Dolphins this Sunday in Miami, Florida. And my man, Josh Tolentino, now the Dolphins beat writer for The Athletic down in Miami, joining us again. And if you remember, he was here two weeks ago. We previewed the AFC East, and today we are going to dive into this game. Josh, how are you, my friend? Hey, Matt, what an intro, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, doing well here in South Florida. The Dolphins, not so much after week one. They're going to try to uh, muster their first win against the Bills uh, this weekend. But but plenty of uh, storylines heading into this game. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. I'm your host, Matt Perino. He is my co-host, Ryan Talbot. Ryan, how are you, my friend? How, what are you? What are your early thoughts on, on this matchup here? Because it is two teams coming off of what happened to Miami over the over the weekend last weekend, and then how the Bills won against the Jets. Uh, it's definitely a tale of two different teams here. Oh, without a doubt, but it's still a division game. The Bills are going on the road. There's going to be some fans in attendance, so th- there's going to be a lot of different things that the Bills have not experienced yet this year. So uh, I think it's going to make it for make it an interesting game on Sunday. So let's start off with the guy that Bills fans know are are most familiar with, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it's like. Man, just the the ebbs and flows to the Ryan Fitzpatrick experience are legendary. And, you know, I went back and and took a quick look at the season finale last year, and he was cooking, man. 300-plus yards, a touchdown, no picks. Turns around this year with what you'd think would be a better uh, offense with the the pieces they put around him, a couple new offensive linemen, Preston Williams back. But it went bad, and it went really bad. What what went wrong for Ryan on, on, on Sunday? Hey, Matt, when at first, before, you know, we get into fits, when you hyped up that intro that Bills fans, everyone knows him, I thought you were going to talk about Bobby McCain. And I was like, okay, let's go start off, uh, you know, from, from that incident last year, we actually talked to Bobby today and, um, you know, he's hyped up going in the game, but, nice. uh, you know, spoke with Fitz yesterday and um, the, the kind of biggest takeaway from, from the conversation with him. And I think we've seen this throughout his career is that he's just ready to bounce back. Um, you know, he obviously threw those three interceptions 
on Sunday, had no touchdowns against New England. And um, when you look back at the, those interceptions, I guess two of them uh, out of the three uh, were, were pretty uh, questionable in terms of, uh, you know, who you're blaming. Uh, on one of them, Preston Williams, their uh, second-year wide receiver, uh, slipped on the play. And, you know, defensive player of the year, uh, Stefan Gilmore, very easy pick. Uh, at the end of the game, though, was the most intriguing one because uh, Fitz actually had the team driving and they were within striking distance, um, ready to make things really exciting at the end of the game in terms of a one-score um, deficit. And uh, they're, they're at like the five-yard line and, and Fitz throws this ball up to Mike Gusecki in the end zone. Uh, and he clearly got held. And for, for some reason, the, the officials either didn't see it or you know, those late nerves, it was, you know, week one nerves for everybody. They did not, there was no DPI on the call and uh, Fitz was pretty livid about that one. But uh, at the end of the day, he threw three interceptions and he knows he uh, or wants to improve uh, against a pretty, what he called a, a tough Bills defense this Sunday. He did pretty well against the Bills last year, I thought. And he, he had an interesting comment today and he said, you know, the big difference, or, and I think it almost... Reading between the lines, I felt like there was some confidence there because you go from a defense in the New England Patriots who played primarily man-to-man coverage against a zone scheme where I feel like he could kind of fit some balls into some spaces a little bit more against a Bills secondary that's kind of predicated on bend but don't break. Don't give up the big play, but you can kind of get some work done in the short to intermediate game. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing that uh, an aspect that we're missing, and Shaq Lawson really played it down uh, during when we talked to him on Zoom the other day, but but Shaq has some familiarity with this team and you know tendencies and personnel, and uh, while everything changes in the NFL year to year, more so week to week uh, in season, uh, Shaq does know a. a uh, I mean, he knows what those guys do. He knows what they're they tend to do, and he's passing around that information uh, in practice this week. So. Um, I think it's going to be a, a really interesting matchup. And not just that, Shaq is a big trash talker, we've learned uh, in training <laughs> camp and yeah, throughout practices. There was an incident, an altercation at the end of the Patriots-Dolphins game this past uh, Sunday that Shaq was involved in, him and Cam Newton and a few others on the Dolphins that uh, were attempting to uh, grab his uh, chain, his necklace. And uh, that was well after the game, so... Uh, it should be, you know, one of those division uh, rival matchups where there's a lot of talking involved. You know, we talked about what what, what went wrong for the Dolphins on Sunday. What went right? Miles Gaskin, for uh, for instance, was uh, maybe the hot name on the waiver wire this week in fantasy football. So what were some things that went right for Miami on Sunday? Yeah, it was really Jordan. We You know, we can start with the running back situation. Jordan Howard was the team's starting running back, and he was just wildly – ineffective every time they gave him the ball he couldn't find a hole uh and i actually think the offensive line had a pretty good game and just for for whatever reason jordan howard was not uh this effective zone rusher that they they brought in uh this offseason uh he did have one touchdown but it occurred on a third third and goal uh you know the third straight try that they tried to rush in with him um but you know they had miles gaskin he broke a few tackles and they stuck with the the hot hand um so i guess from that aspect did it go well? Sure. Um, from a receiver standpoint, uh, Devontae Parker suffered a hamstring injury, and a lot of uh, fans across the division, um, at least Dolphins fans, know his injury history with soft tissue. So uh, he has practiced two days in a row. Uh, Flo said there's a chance that he plays on Sunday. Uh, 
But, you know, we're talking here on Thursday, guys, and you, you look ahead to next Thursday. The, the Dolphins actually have a Thursday night game. So they've got two games uh, here within the next seven days, and it's they come to this decision. Do we sit Devontae for, against the Bills and, and hope he's fully ready or at least closer to 100% on Thursday uh, in Jacksonville? Uh, those are, uh, you know, some pretty heavy decisions that they're going to have to weigh because uh, I, w- I will tell you what, guys, when, when Devontae isn't on the field, uh, it's pretty obvious that they lack some star power and, and you know, flow just with what he brings uh, with his skill set there on the outside. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because he he was a guy that for a while there early on in the first few years of his career was taking a while for things to click. And then finally, we got to see it firsthand last year. I thought that the size of Parker and Preston Williams really frustrated at times this Bill's secondary. Uh, so I want to ask you specifically about Preston Williams because he was somebody that I thought was kind of ascending before the injury last year. How, how did he look in training camp? And is he somebody that they're expecting to rely on this season or is it kind of taking it slow here as he works his way back? Yeah, Matt, I actually went on record uh, throughout uh, a couple instances in camp and I thought Preston Williams uh, and, you know, they had some load management days. Uh, he, you know, he's coming off that torn ACL. They want to be very careful. Uh, you know, they gave him uh, a day off here, a day off there. But when he was on the field, I thought he was the best receiver, even better than Devontae at times mm. with uh, just his speed and really the highlight catch type ability that he he brings. Um, really kind of that diamond in the rough, undrafted, and, and just, um, you know, was a really kind of niche for them last season before uh, he went down to the injury. Uh, you know, he failed to get it going. Uh, had I think he had the most targets in New England and uh, only a few catches. Um, I think Chan Gailey has to be uh, a little bit more creative when it comes to uh, involving him and guys like Matt Breida uh, into the offense. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's uh, so. I there's a question that was in the uh, commentary here. Now I'm going to ask you first. The the fan said someone paint a scenario where the Bills lose on Sunday. So. You know the Miami strengths. You know that the Bills are pretty beat up right now at linebacker, especially. Uh, so maybe what would the situation be where Miami can pull off this upset on Sunday? Yeah, I think you look at uh, the the one biggest matchup I'm I'm going to be looking at outside of uh, you know Chan Gailey trying to improve his offensive play calling and the execution. Uh, you look at what the the Dolphins had. Aaron Jones, who Ramsey was the most was the highest paid cornerback in the league. And Xavier Howard has been uh, very explosive in the past. Uh, you know, Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe back there in the secondary. Uh, I'm really paying attention to that matchup. Stephon Diggs, John Brown. And I think that um, Flo said it. He said it uh, the very first day that we talked to him after the game is, uh, you know, while he was reflecting on the tape from the Patriots, he called the Bills one of the most uh, explosive receiver groups in the league. And um, while they might not have those proven names outside of Stefan Diggs, I really do think that the Bills possess a ton of uh, talent and speed there on the outside. And uh, I think that's going to be a good matchup this weekend is just uh, Noah Igbenogany. He's the rookie uh, corner that they the Dolphins got. Uh, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. How are they going to lock down these receivers? Because uh, that was one of the, the their biggest strengths in camp was the secondary uh, week one, they really didn't get tested. I mean, the Pacers had Julian Edelman on those drag and slant routes, but outside of that, um, really no big deep threat targets for Cam Newton. So uh, I think Josh Allen possesses a, a much more talented arm in that uh, respect where he is in his career. And I think the secondary is going to be a uh, show to watch uh, against these Bills receivers. 
How has that dynamic played out so far? And, you know, especially, you know, in your conversations that you've had with them, how do they kind of view each other? Because when you, I'm always fascinated by when you add, you know, two kind of prototype number one cornerbacks into the same defensive backs room, you know, this is an alpha male type of sport. Um, Who takes, you know, you know, Stefan Gilmore, Tredavious White, to a lesser extent because of the scheme that he plays in, they want to take the top guy every time that they're going up against a team. They kind of wear it as a badge of honor. So who ends up taking that top guy, and will it be some type of combination because Howard is still a pretty high-level cornerback? Yeah, I think X, Xavier Howard, really has that mentality, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he'll want to go into Sunday defending Stephon Diggs. But, hey, I mean, John Brown, uh, Beasley, those guys are no slacks either. I mean, the it's really going to be up to – um, Byron Jones, who's a very good, he, he won't cause the turnovers and the interceptions, but, uh, he's very aggressive in your face type, uh, PBU guy, uh, is very, he's, I mean, he, his number one priority is going to be reading Josh Allen's eyes. And, um, but I think, uh, you know, whoever that third guy is there in the slot, Beasley, uh, you know, if the, if the bills have a rotating receiver in, uh, they're going to be up against 20 year old Noah Igbenogany and, uh, you know, rookie from Auburn and, um, he's only been playing corner for a few years, guys, but he's uh, uh, very talented in terms of what he brings athletically. And um, he wasn't really tested that much uh, by Cam Newton in week one. But um, if Sean McDermott, I think if he's going to get creative, I think he'll, uh, you know, test the rookie because just, you know, he's so unproven uh, in terms of NFL reps. You you look at what the Bills want to do offensively, and you know obviously the big news around here this week is that they ran a lot of play action last week, which obviously Cam Newton had a lot of success with as well. But not only that is the you know the four wide sets and even some of the empty sets that they they seem more willing to attack through the air. Now you wonder in a week to week league, did they utilize a lot of the, you know, that approach because of the secondary they were going up against, I would imagine they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more. What have they been saying, uh, you know, in, in the Miami, uh, you know, players, coaches about this Buffalo run game that really didn't get it, get it going last week, 41 yards on 18 carries between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Yeah. I don't think the, the dolphins can sleep on, on, uh, you know, Devin and Zach, because that was their number one weakness, really the dolphins, uh, uh, on Sunday in New England, they could not defend the run. Uh, and you want to throw in this aspect that uh, Josh Allen is going to have all these play actions. And um, really with Cam Newton, the, the number one thing is that uh, he introduced what uh, New England fans weren't familiar with. It was the RPO. And, um, you know, it's that slight second, that hesitation of uh, where are the linebackers going to go. Cam Newton really exposed Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts, uh, Jerome Baker, who finished with, you know, a game high. He leads the league right now, 16 tackles. But a lot of those tackles were because he was late on, um, you know, finding that direct first read. Uh, is the ball going to the running back? Is the ball uh, staying with Cam Newton? So um, I think if the Bills game plan uh, correctly, they're really going to test the Dolphins defense because uh, running, defending the run was definitely not their top uh, suit on Monday or this past Sunday. In turn, in addition to that, also two sacks, six pressures from that defensive line or from that defense last week. Uh, one, how did they look in terms of getting pressure, getting after Cam Newton, and how did Shaq Lawson look? I know you've mentioned him already, but how did the former Bill look in his first game with the Dolphins? Yeah, I think Christian Wilkins. If we're going to talk about the sacks and pressures first, uh, he came up with a majority of those. It was uh, really uh, a little surprising because you know he didn't have that great of a camp. Um, second year player it's you know how do those second year players respond and he was their top pick last year 
how do you continue to keep the momentum and stay motivated uh, your second, third year in the league and really, uh, you know, remain relevant? Uh, he came out and really surprised. The, he, he had one of the best games on that defensive line. Um, I think there's going to be have to more more. There's going to be have to more people to step up in terms of uh, Emmanuel Agba, Kyle Van Noy. He was one of the biggest additions um, this past offseason. Kyle was, uh, you know, and I know he's got a hand injury right now. He was pretty invisible um, this past Sunday, but um, you know, moving on to Shaq Lawson, it was really uh, throughout the game. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys know this covering him over the past couple uh, seasons in, in Buffalo, but. Uh, even after plays where, you know, he didn't make the player, uh, you know, they gave up yardage and it was a negative play for, for the defense. He was still trash talking. It's like, uh, <laughs> I, I think that's just really one of the biggest aspects of the game. He tries to uh, get in their, their opponent's head. And uh, how does he do that this Sunday? I mean, these are guys that he considers his best friends, guys that he texts uh, every day. He had a really funny tweet uh, today, actually, of, you know, how he steals teammates gum from the locker room. So. Uh, just having that aspect will be, uh, you know, really funny to watch uh, heading into this Sunday. Yeah, he uh, it was some of the locker room banter uh, specifically between uh, he of Clemson, uh, uh, an alum against Tredavious White, LSU. Some of those conversations in the room, some Alabama guys in there as well. Uh, it got a little heated at times. And he uh, he kind of he, he has this way about him where he can really ratchet up the trash talk. But make it really funny at the same time. So he, uh, yeah, we definitely miss him. Like, you know, we're not in the locker room right now, obviously with everything going on in COVID, but you know, you found, you got somebody out there. That's a real fun, uh, guy to cover before yeah, I let you get then, out of here. Also, oh, go ahead. Sorry, real quick, Matt. Uh, you, you talk about him being funny and serious and knowing when to, to handle it. Uh, it extended actually beyond the field this past Sunday with Cam Newton. Um, I think it's going to be a, an ongoing story until they, they play them again. Um, and, you know, I want to see how he responds on the field this this uh, Sunday. But uh, after the game uh, with Cam Newton, he actually went on Cam Newton's Instagram and commented mm. uh, on his uh, posts from the game. <laughs> he was like, I don't want your damn chain. And, you know, is, is just really trying to uh, rile everything up. So I think the dynamics much different here going against his uh, old teammates. It's a fun storyline to, to keep up with. For sure, and I bet you Shaq Lawson probably doesn't didn't like too much, uh, you know, the young Ed Oliver on his D line last year in Carolina when Cam Newton tried to, uh, you know, big brother him a little bit on a video that went viral. I, I think that you know that that didn't sit too well in the Bills locker room. Nobody ever actually said that to me, but that might be a little interesting nugget that uh, he kind of keeps in the back pocket, and, and maybe why he has a little bit more of an issue with Cam than anybody else. But let me get you this before I let you get out of here. Prediction for Sunday. Bills traveling down, I believe last time I checked, uh, around a six, seven point favorite. Uh, how do you think this one plays out? Yeah, it's it's going to be a really tough matchup again for the Dolphins. And, you know, we mentioned the running game. And um, I think if the Bills, Sean, can find a way to get Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, more carries and get them more involved um, and continue to kind of build off what they did last week with the play action, um, I just really don't think this Dolphins front seven is ready yet to defend the run from what we've seen. And uh, I'm, I'm going to pin it at a close game, maybe three, four uh, point victory for Buffalo. But um, there's also this unknown uh, factor of how are these fans going to affect the game? It's going to be, you know, 13,000 in there um, will be the first time I ever see fans in the stadium this year. Mm. Um, you know, New England didn't have any fans. And, and you know, we, we all know Sean McDermott was pretty vocal uh, when mm. Miami announced they were going to 
fans. So does that factor in the game? I'm not sure. Um, but that will be another thing to pay attention to. But uh, if, if Buffalo can, can, you know, keep it on their throat in terms of uh, running up the ground, because it, that's really uh, Miami's biggest weakest right now is that they could not uh, defend the run. Josh Tolentino, you can find him at JCT Sports on Twitter, The Athletic, Miami Dolphins beat writer. My man, we'll talk again later this season. Hopefully uh, uh, things haven't gotten too out of control down there. Hey, appreciate you guys. Yep, yep, trying to stay safe and, you know, stay far from these 13,000 fans on Sunday. But uh, looking (laughs) forward to it, guys. All right, Josh, take care. All right, so... Ryan Talbot, let's dive into this game a little bit. Um, I really was interested with with Fitz, Fitz's uh, presser that I watched from yesterday. It's almost like he had this really weird um, air of confidence to him when talking about the biggest difference from going from last week against the Patriots defense to this week against the Bills defense. And, you know, I went back last year. I mean, he played well against the Bills for the most part. I mean, he had moments, especially in that first game where the Bills were on the ropes. They had to make some plays. And, you know, so I think he has a level of confidence being at home, coming off of a bad performance. I feel like he feels like he could probably just take this thing to the next level with some of the weapons that they have there. And like you mentioned, you know, it's looking like Matt Milano might not be available. Yeah, you know, hamstring injuries going to Miami. I, I just think that that's just a bad combination in general. Maybe that actually keeps Devontae Parker out in this uh, matchup for Miami as well because hamstrings, you don't want to rush him back. But Milano itself, that would be a, a major loss for this team. That would really open up things, in my opinion, for Mike Gusecki, uh, who I think is a very talented tight end. I know that first year, pretty quiet. Last year, I thought he kind of came on with Fitz. Uh, so there could be some matchups for Fitzpatrick to exploit, but, you know, I always, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He, you know, he's just going to come out and he's going to go firing. Even if he throws an interception in the first series or two, it's not going to stop this guy. So no matter what happens on Sunday, this guy is going to come out. He's going to throw the ball a lot, in my opinion, especially if the Bills are able to, to uh, come out and score early like they did against the Jets and get some points on the board. It, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. And and I like what Josh said. I, I don't want to... Uh, go into this game thinking that the Bills are going to pull away and have another easy victory. It's another divisional game. There's a lot more talent on this Miami roster than there is on the Jets roster. So uh, I could see this being one of those games that does come down too late in the fourth quarter before the Bills finally do pull away. Yeah, one thing that I, I one matchup that I really like is I think that it's going to take some time for this Miami front to really come together. You know, that's one big takeaway I had from last week. It just, you know, they weren't really pressuring consistently against Cam Newton. And I think that against Josh Allen in this, in this bills offense with all these weapons around him, you really do have to frustrate him. Now, a real cool matchup in this game that I'm excited for is the chess match match between Brian Dable and Brian Flores, who were on the same staff in new England. Uh, years and years ago. And, you know, Brian Flores mentioned it this week that he's real good friends with Brian Dable. So they have a familiarity with each other and what each other likes to do. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think bills are going to really, bills fans are really probably looking forward to these matchups between John Brown and Xavier Howard or, or Byron Jones and Stefan Diggs versus whoever he goes up against. But I, I really do think that it comes down to you know, this could be a game where Josh Allen runs the ball 12 to 15 times, uh, kind of takes a page out of the playbook uh, of Cam Newton and, the, and what the Patriots had success with last week, even if they do it in a different way. 
you know, that's one of the things that Josh made sure to mention that, you know, the, the way the Patriots ran the ball last week is a little bit different than they're going to try to do. But um, I, I just see that talent wise and, and um, continuity wise, that's where I give the bills the biggest advantage on both sides of the ball. I just feel like they know each other more. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they played four quarters last week. This is almost like the third, third or fourth preseason game this week for the Dolphins, who have a lot of new parts. Oh, without a doubt. And, and, you know, I I like what you said here about that matchup. I think Brian Dibble is going to attack the weakness of the Dolphins. That means running the ball more. So I would not be shocked if the Bills end up with 35, 40 carries, similar to what the Patriots did last week to exploit that. Uh, And I think you do need to be successful on the ground to open up that, that passing game for the Bills because, you look at those matchups, and yeah, I like the talent that the Bills have in that uh, wide receiver room, but they also have some really talented cornerbacks. So if the Bills can get the run game going and going with success, well, then that's going to open up the play action. That's going to open up things in the passing game as well. So I really do want to see the Bills get things going on the ground first. Ron Swanson on Twitter said uh, the, the Dolphins' D-line is buns, B-U-N-S. I, I don't know if he was going for bums. <laughs> Like if you say like that, they just have like a D line worth of bums, but he said it twice. So he said their D line is buns. Wilkins is good, but that's it. Godchalks is awful. Shaq and the other D E are buns too. So is buns a thing? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not up to date on this new lingo. So buns could mean something. Maybe someone in the chat can kind of uh like, I guess that would out. be, yeah, I guess I, that would be kind of like the, appropriate Clean way to version say of, yeah the uh, a uh, the a word the a word <laughs> that's the that's so oh, okay so they're just it's their way of saying their booty their booty is what someone said in the in the chat so god all right you. nicholas raymond coming in uh, and saving the day here we appreciate that um all right let's <laughs> go through the injury report here today because the bills released uh kind of a long one but one that you know, had some good news on it. John Brown returned to practice today. He was a full participant after missing yesterday with a foot injury. So guessing he will probably be available for Sunday. Vernon Butler was back for his second straight day, full participant. And here's a big piece that I think is important because Tremaine Edmonds was limited. Matt Milano, again, uh, with a hamstring, didn't practice. But Tyrell Dotson was back and a full participant today. And that's huge because he's their backup Mike Linebacker. If he wasn't able to play and Tremaine Edmonds misses this game, listen, did you see that video yesterday? I I can't remember who put it out, but he was kind of showing the shoulder to uh, Leslie Frazier a little bit. I I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to trot him out there in three days now with a shoulder injury. In a game where, yeah, do you want Tremaine Edmonds there? Of course, but do you want to risk it getting any worse? I could see a scenario where we get to Sunday and maybe he's a game-time decision. Maybe he's questionable or maybe even doubtful, and then they hold him out. Tyrell Dotson being healthy right now, I think, makes you more comfortable going into that game because I think the plan right now is Dotson plays for Tremaine Edmonds and A.J. Klein plays for Matt Milano. AJ Klein got most of those snaps from Milano after he went out uh, on Sunday. Yeah, you, you need Dotson in there. I mean, they don't have a lot of depth there right now. Obviously, they they did make some moves, uh, uh, at least on the practice squad, adding Deion Lacey. They do have Andre Smith there. I, I'm, I'm anticipating Smith being one of those players that gets promoted and moved up. Uh, but at the same time, that that's a big – and I'm not trying to disrespect these backups, but 
if you don't have Edmonds and Milano out there, that's a that's a big step down with whoever you're replacing them with just because of what we've seen, the communication between those two players, the chemistry that they have, and what they've shown over the last few years. So it's a little bit worrisome, but you said it best. I mean, this is a long season, and we're, we're entering week two right now. You you need, need to have them out there for the majority of the year. You can't rush them back. You can't try to uh, think that this is such an important game that you need both or one of them out there, even if they're not, uh, even if they're 50 50 to go. This is a long year. You have playoff aspirations. You're looking to win the AFC East uh, for the first time since 1995. So this might be a game where they're without their top two linebackers. What is a matchup in this game that you're you're really zeroed in on as one that I that you think could really have a big impact in terms of the, of the outcome? Oh boy, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't consider it a one-on-one matchup. I just like this defensive line again, just in general. I think they can get after Fitz, and, and we we talked about the fact that Fitzpatrick throws those interceptions, and he's not going to uh, always tuck it and take the sack. He's going to th- throw some balls up there for his guy and a Bills defender to uh, go up for and grab. So I could see the Bills defensive line coming up big again this week. Uh, helping that defense create some turnovers because a a rushed pass or a forced pass can be just as good, if not better, than a sack in a lot of scenarios uh, because it can lead to those turnovers. It can lead to pick sixes. It can lead to a lot of good things for uh, Buffalo, especially when they're already down a few guys in that linebacker core. What about you? I'm really interested to see how first road trip here, uh, how this offensive line plays in week two. And I think that there's some really interesting matchups. One in particular, you know, this is a game like you mentioned Shaq Lawson. We talked about him a bit at the top of the show. You know, that's a guy that's going to be motivated here. I, you know, they, they've both sides have said all the right things. And Jordan Poyer was kind of let in a little bit today to see if he can maybe, you know, he was b- being very careful, tiptoeing around everything he said not to give the Dolphins any bulletin board material because, you know, because they're friends, they could probably toss it back and forth a little bit, talk some trash, but you say the wrong thing ends up on a, a on a, a, bill, a bull, uh, bulletin board, a bulletin board in Miami. And we all know how uh, Sean McDermott feels about that. But I think that Shaq Lawson probably feels some type of way that the bills didn't pay him, that he had to go elsewhere to, you know, on the heels of, you know, buying in and, you know, listen, this is a guy that, you know, is young guy going down to Miami. There, there's a lot of pros to the decision that he made and where he ended up. And it seems like he's in a good situation there and everything. But, you know, he built something with this group last year. And they even said it. They It was tough to see him go. So his matchup this week, he he's now that 3-4 edge rusher, which is interesting because he – that's not really his his mold. Like I, I feel like he's more suited for four three. He plays really good against the run, and I don't think he's as consistent as a just a pure pass rusher. But he's going to get a heck of a matchup here because you know you go back and watch that game, and Deion Dawkins earned you know earned every penny of that new big paycheck uh, last weekend. He was great, and I think that's going to be a really tough matchup for Shaq, who's back on the right side. They're asking him to apply pressure and get pressure on the quarterback, and I I like Deion Dawkins in that matchup. On the other side, Kyle Van Noy potentially, uh, you know, he, he I think he only saw forty ish of sixty ish snaps in the, in the opener, and and Brian Flores was asked about that as well, and he didn't really comment too much on it. But, you know, if he's able to kind of rush a little bit on the other side, how does Daryl Williams hold up against him? Because Kyle Van Noy, as we know, 
you know, one of his, the strong suits of his game is getting to the quarterback. So I really like that. The, the, those matchups, the bills offensive and, and I even mentioned him, Christian Wilkins, who I thought was really good against the bills last year. I think that wherever he ends up, I mean, if it ends up being Cody Ford, if he's lined up uh, near him, that could be a real battle and one that maybe the, the, the dolphins can exploit a little bit. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And going over to Shaq Lawson, a few a uh, few things there that you said, it, it is kind of funny the role that they have him in because I think it was last year, two years ago, uh, it was when McDermott was the coach, but he, he was out there and he openly said, I was shocked when Buffalo selected me because they ran a 3-4 and I'm a 4-3 guy. Well, now you look at him and, and he's in a 3-4 again. Now he's getting $10 million a year to do it. So on average, so I, I think he can uh, grin and bear it for that price. But it, it is funny how maybe they aren't using him to the best of his uh, ability with the, what with what he does best. Uh, Van Noy injured or hand injury, like uh, Josh said earlier in the show. So if he is at less than 100%, that could actually be pretty advantageous uh, for this offensive line, uh, especially on the right side of the line. So it, it's again, it's one of those matchups where if they do get pressure, is Josh able to get away from it and get upfield and run with the ball? Uh, I thought that after rewatching that game, he might have been better on those scramble runs than he was even on those designed runs. So uh, I, I feel like that's when Josh can really make the most with his feet. So it's it's there's just so many moving parts that I'm excited to see how it all plays out on Sunday. Yeah, and you know you look to this game is. Um... I thought last week was a tough situation for the Bills because there was all of these like elevated expectations. Like if you don't come out and smash them, what's it going to mean? What's the kind of feeling going to be in the fan base where this week I almost feel like there's a little bit more room for error. Like I feel like if the Bills don't go on the road and beat the Dolphins by two scores, it's a road game against the team that's kind of ascending a bit. So I think it's a little bit more understandable if if they maybe don't dominate as as much as i thought they did and what's funny is as much as they dominated last week is still a 10 point game uh at, at the end of things um so that's interesting i think that the bills have to run the ball uh that's something that i think that they'll be able to do a landon roberts who they brought over from new england he is on the injury report he uh you know that'll be interesting to see if he can play obviously they have some depth there but i think that the bills have to you know, I mentioned it last night when we were talking to Fairburn, and that's one thing that I really do think, you know, the Bills are missing, like without John Feliciano. I thought that, you know, his strength was in the run game, his athleticism to, you know, get out in, in space, lay guys out. I still go back to that block he laid on Dean Marlowe in training camp last year that set the tone, not only for his entire season, but the line as a whole, their entire season and the nastiness level. Who's going to get nasty on this offensive line now? You know, it's not, that's not really Mitch Morris's thing. I mean, Cody Ford's very laid back. Quentin Spain doesn't say a lot. He's, he, he plays with a, with a, with a, with a nasty, but he doesn't do it. He's not very vocally nasty. So I think that without John Feliciano on that, on the field, or even be allowed on the sideline, um, that really restricts this unit, you know, from, uh, you know, a, a psyche standpoint. And this, this is a mental game. I mean, getting guys up, we're talking about it last week, like how much guys are coming off the field and pumping each other up. And, you know, you rely on all of these little things to help, you know, give yourselves little boosts all over the field. And so I think that that's a, a, a big, a big deal early. Watch that in this game. Can the bills get their running game going? I think Brian Dable will want to get it going. And I think that this could be a big Devin Singletary game. I thought that, 
you don't want to overreact to one game, but I thought that Zach Moss showed last week, you know, just he, he seemed hesitant to me. You know, I didn't feel like there were a lot of play now blocking in front of him wasn't very good, but I felt like on some of the successful runs that Devin Singletary had, you could see the um, immediacy of the decision. You could see him hitting the hole. And I think that there was just some hesitancy in Zach Moss. That might totally be a different situation this week. Uh, if they're able to, you know, if the offensive line plays a little bit better, but I have a feeling that we could have, this could be more of a Devin Singletary, maybe 65, 70% uh, workload game uh, for him this weekend. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise I me. Mean, I'd like to see them get creative, have them both on the field. They did that a little bit in week one. Uh, they did the, you know, the fake screen and then threw it to the other player, but get them both in the backfield, let them both get their carries. But, you know, in terms of purely running, let them get into some kind of rhythm. Uh, don't keep going kind of back and forth. Don't just only give them each nine carries. It, it is very tough for a back to get into a rhythm in, in that regard if you're only giving them the ball sporadically. So, you know, look at what their weakness is, that, that being Miami, and it was the run, and, and try to get your backs going early. Uh, I, I think that they can have a lot of success there. Like you said, Singletary uh, being in a second year, the, obviously the game has slowed down a lot. He has that elusive ability where maybe he doesn't have that game-changing or game-breaking speed, he can still make you miss in a phone booth, and he can pick out good chunks of yards. Under the radar move today, Deion Lacy back in the mix, uh, signed to the Bills practice squad. Uh, I was actually off today, so uh, I, I came out. I, I, I put away my little vacation day at, at 6 o'clock to jump on here and get our get our podcast going here. But I was off today, so I wasn't out at the stadium. I, I wasn't really on. I couldn't really be on, but I – um, that was an interesting move because, you know, obviously the bills needed to bring in some, some linebacker depth and a guy like Dion Lacey, that's a guy that knows this system was in it for two years, had some, you know, meaningful snaps for this defense. And you bring a guy in here that that's another like under the radar, like nice move. And what's funny about that move, you know what it really reminded me of what I was saying a few weeks ago, uh, as we were moving towards cutdown day, when people were agonizing over the potential loss of a guy like Duke Williams or Robert Foster, have you seen in week, did you see in week one, Robert Foster start and explode for any team in the NFL? No, didn't. you didn't. And so I think that some of these guys that the bills fan gets bills fans or any football fans get so worried about losing who's to say that they don't go out into the world a little bit you bring them back in the mix later on and uh this is a situation where you know it might be dire straits and you might need this would be interesting to see ryan with Deion lacy having some meaningful snaps and and andre smith only being in in the environment now here for about two weeks does Deion Lacey pass him over, and do you bring him up off the practice squad just because you know he knows what he's doing? Just a, you know, some food for thought. It, it wouldn't shock me. And, and another thing he would bring is more special teams play, which you know I thought the special teams unit played really well, but he was a, a key contributor the last two seasons that he was here in Buffalo, 2017, 2018, I believe. Um, so it wouldn't shock me. Like you said, Smith is new to the system, uh, came over right before for the cut down beforehand. So yeah, experience does matter in this game. Uh, having a guy that knows the system, knows the plays might be more beneficial than going with the guy uh, that you, you probably like in Andre Smith. But if you feel like Lacey can get up to speed really quickly and be a part of this game plan, absolutely, by all means, bring him up. 
Um, if you have any last questions, we'll probably do about three or four or five more minutes uh, if you have it and we see a question here. And one thing here is is interesting. We could we could touch on this before we go is AJ Epinesa because we didn't talk about him yesterday. Um, I thought that was an an interesting decision, but we talked about it last week. It didn't shock either one of us. We, mm-hmm. we kind of went into this thing like, all right, he doesn't really play special teams. You know Daryl Johnson is getting a jersey. I just didn't see where he was going to fit from a numbers perspective when they already have all of these guys. Now, with with Vernon Butler back in the mix, I think that it's going to make it even more difficult for A.J. Epinesa to dress this weekend. And I also think that going back and watching the Bills game, I thought Daryl Williams played or Daryl Johnson played well. And so the more he plays well or, you know, at least contributes, I think that that's going to make it more and more difficult for Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier to activate AJ Epinesa. Yeah. Epinesa is going to have to string together some impractic, uh, some impressive weeks in practice first and foremost. And two, you're probably going to have to see an injury occur uh, mm-hmm. at this point in time, because like you said, the depth across the line is great, but at, at defensive end, there's Hughes, there, there's Addison, there's Trent Murphy, there's Daryl Johnson. You have a Jefferson who can play inside, outside. So, you know, the numbers are not working in Epinesa's favor right now. So it's either going to be an injury or you're gonna, he's going to have to put together some really solid play in, in consecutive weeks, um, almost like maybe what they were seeing out of Duke Williams on the practice field uh, last year when they finally activated him. They, they saw enough out of him to say, let's bring him up for a game or let's let's activate him. So maybe that would have to occur. Matt Gavenda, apologies if I didn't pronounce your name properly, but let's get some Q&A here going, and we'll give our prediction before we get out of here. What do you think is the over-under of Allen design runs? If he uses blocks, I don't mind them at all, and I like how that threw a wrench into the Jets' defense to start. So I'll say I would place it at three. I like that, and I would go the over. I'm expecting somewhere around five design runs and, and maybe uh, uh, an always um, – uh, <laughs> What's the word? I think a, a Brian Dable that may, w- might want to stick it to the haters a little bit uh, and, and kind of prove his point that it's just something it's at certain times and in certain matchups that you're just going to need to do. We saw Cam Newton. Uh, they unleashed him as a weapon, I- as a runner last week. And that's something that Josh Allen, you, you can only really name one or two guys in this league that are, are, are more of a weapon when it comes to uh, running as a quarterback and, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson and, you know, Pete Cam Newton, I would throw into the mix there as well. But I, I, I think there's going to, I think I'm going to go over. I think it's going to be around five this week. Over, I'll go seven. I'm going to say seven design runs in this game. They're going to see something they like. There's going to be some times where they're down near the goal line. Uh, they're going to give him some carries there. So I'll go seven. I'll, I'll hit the over as well. All right. Do we see any more yeah. questions here? All right. Nicholas, Which one do you like? Uh, Nicholas Raymond, name a bill not named Allen that'll have a big game. Start us off. I'm going to go with Dawson Knox. I like those mm. corner. I like the cornerbacks that Miami has. I'm not saying that Josh Allen's going to go away from them, uh, those talented wide receivers, but I think that there's a situation where Knox can get going. Uh, I'm not saying that this guy's going to end up with 10 targets by any means, but I'm saying maybe like a a four to five catch day, which for Dawson Knox, that's not a bad day at the office. I think maybe a passing touchdown in, in, mixed in there as well. So I'll go Dawson Knox. I'm going to go Cole Beasley. I think this is a game where I was actually super impressed that, you know, each one of them got as many targets as they did last week. I think it was 10 for John Brown, nine for Diggs, and seven for Beasley. I could see a seven to eight 
range Cole Beasley day and and maybe a, a big play for a touchdown. And uh, I really like him in this matchup. I think he could do some damage in that you know short short uh, intermediate area. And I I like the you know with so much attention and so much skill on the outside with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. Maybe that's a matchup he could take advantage of. I I I don't remember if Igbenagami is is playing uh, mostly in the slot. That might be a, a matchup that, as good as Josh said that he's played early on and as talented as he is, that's a really tough matchup against a vet like Cole Beasley who knows the kind of ins and outs and what he wants to do uh, to beat a young player like that. I mean, we see him practice all the time, Ryan. I mean, he just is absolutely undressing guys, and so I think this could be a, uh, if if you want it. I struggle to sit here and go out on a limb for Diggs or Brown this week. I think one of them or either of them or both of them could have a big game. You know, I, they, they have talent. I just think that it makes more sense for, you know, uh, to kind of throw a, like like someone mentioned, a wrench into things by going big time to, to Gold Beasley. Did you see another one in here that you wanted to hit here? I think maybe uh, we'll go with this one here. Chris Spencer asked, do you think Miami stacks the box that's on trying to sell out on the run? If that happens, I see Diggs lighting it up. I, I'll let you answer this, Ryan, but I, I I don't know if they can afford to do that with the aggressive nature that Brian Dable showed last week as a play caller in the passing game, especially with the you know four and five wide receiver sets that he that he that he rolled out. Yeah, and, and throw in the play actions. If they're going to be that, uh, try to sell it on the run, and maybe they bite on that, that's going to open up someone underneath. It's going to open up someone in that intermediate area. Uh, I, like you said, I'm not sure they can afford to do that. Uh, in theory, it makes sense after giving up so many yards on the ground last week to the Patriots. Uh, but it's a week-by-week -week league, so uh, I wouldn't bank on it because Dable will look and see what he sees on the field. He'll adjust on the fly. He's a guy that will do that in a heartbeat. So I, I'm going to say no. No. All right. Before we get out of here, Ryan, uh, great questions, everybody. Thank you so much uh, for joining and your participation. As always, quick shout out. I will be appearing in 45 minutes on another show. It is the debut of Mr. Sal Capaccio uh, is going to be doing a weekly show on social media, Sal Sports Half Hour. Uh, before Thursday night football, I will I will have a quick hit on there with him. He'll he'll be previewing the game as well. So if you want more digital content, head over there in a little bit. Quick shout out for him. Um, prediction for this weekend, Ryan. Who you got? The Bills go to two and zero because they are not buns, as I've learned what that means <laughs> now, and they win twenty four to seventeen. Okay, so I'm right there with you. I'm going to also say twenty. Uh, I'll change it up a little bit, and I will say. 20 24 what did you say 24 17 17 i'll say 24 16 i'll go one point <laughs> lower just so we're not the exact same but you're right on the money because what i really think is 24 to me is like that baseline i want to see them hit every week no matter who they're playing against and listen there's going to be some tough games but we saw and it might just be week one but an arizona offense that expect that it's expected to take a jump this year they go open up against San Francisco, score 24. I think the Bills should be able to score at least 24 points on a Miami defense that's still trying to find itself a little bit. They have some options to kind of mix things up. And I think defensively, you know, I could – I'll change it actually. Let, let's go 24-14 um, because 24-17 was mine too. We didn't talk about this before. 
and we were one point off last week. It's it's pretty crazy actually because I said thirty to thirty one to thirteen. And you said like thirty to fourteen. So it's pretty crazy. We're on yes. the same. I'll go twenty four fourteen because as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick has played against the Bills, I think that this defense. Um, Although the linebackers too. Let's go 24-14. I'm not going to talk myself out of it. Um, Bills win. They go to 2-0. and And then we're going to turn around next week for an absolutely massive game. I'm excited to hear uh, from Mr. Jalen Ramsey coming off of that new contract. We know about his, uh, uh, his pension for big words uh, when it comes to talking about Josh Allen. So uh, we'll look forward to that. This has been the Shout Buffalo Bills Football Podcast Preview Edition. I hope you enjoyed it. Find us on all the audio platforms. This will be there instantaneously. And when I say instantaneously, whenever I get around to uploading it there. So <laughs> that could be 10 minutes from now, an hour from now, two hours from now. We'll see when it lands. But it will eventually be available for you all weekend long to go back and dissect. And I will have my preview on Saturday. I will be back out at the stadium tomorrow. Uh, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins this Sunday. Ryan, thanks for joining me, my friend, as always. Hey, my pleasure. Take care, everyone.